0: Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC
0: Podcast.
1: Okay, uh, Leslie, I'm going to ask you to say, Hi, my name is, and just ad lib in a sentence or two what you do You know, with your academic titles.
0: Hi, my name is Leslie Roos, and I'm an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Manitoba and an affiliated researcher with the Children's Hospital Institute of Manitoba. My research focuses on the effects of stress on child and family development and trying to understand how we can use therapeutic techniques to enable families to uh, live the life they want to live in terms of their own mental wellness and parenting.
1: That's perfect. And, and since nobody is experiencing stress right now, this topic is going to be completely irrelevant to everybody.
0: <laughs> yes, I, uh, I think about that myself on a day to day basis.
1: Made you laugh. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. It's not like our pre-pandemic lives were stress-free. You know, mine sure wasn't. And I'm sure yours wasn't either. Now the pandemic has supersized stress levels, pushing them into the stratosphere. Job loss, financial insecurity, fear and anxiety, sickness, isolation. It's a grim and stress-inducing list, which can mean trouble. We know chronic stress leads to a whole range of nasty mental and physical health side effects. So today on The Dose, we're asking, how has the stress from our no good, very bad, awful year changed your brain? And more importantly, what can you do about it? Leslie Roos, welcome to The Dose. Thank you for having me. Leslie, what exactly happens in our brains when we experience stress?
0: so our brain is designed and our whole stress physiology to enable us to respond quickly and effectively to challenging situations by mobilizing our arousal so our cardiac system our heart rate in the short term this is really helpful because it enables us to be more alert be more responsive really interact in a dynamic way with our environments um, but we need to be able to recover from that afterwards. So to come back down to baseline, we start to see more of the long-term problems with stress that we think about when we either have too many of these short-term stressful events or we have more chronic stress where we're up and we're feeling hypervigilant and that doesn't really come down throughout the day.
1: And, and to be clear, there is a usefulness to having our brains handle a stress response as long as it's not a chronic state of being. Am I right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So those short-term experiences of stress, um, there's good evidence to suggest that those are actually really healthy. They keep our body moving. They bring about positive emotions. They might make it easier to sleep at night if you've had a busy and exciting day. Um, It's really the negative effects when we have too many of them or not able to recover from those short-term increases in arousal. The physiological response is actually a whole body response through which the stress hormone cortisol um, and other metabolites are going through our body and they can create inflammation and really wear and tear on bodily systems. People who are experiencing chronic stress might experience increased pain, more stomach aches, and challenges in sleep disruptions.
1: So I really wanna get into the fact that chronic stress is a condition of the brain. So what are the long-term impacts on our brains from stress?
0: One of the the important pieces about stress is that it might really matter for what your developmental stage is. So there's good evidence to suggest in the earliest years in life from about zero to five, that chronic stress can really have lifelong impacts in shaping how our brains develop. In adults, chronic stress can have some short term changes, but there's also really good evidence in adults that with treatment, so if you have post traumatic stress disorder, for example, receiving treatment for that condition, or if you're experiencing chronic stress, and then that chronic stressor is removed, your brain recovers in just a couple months.
1: So what are some of those symptoms is feeling brain fog, which a lot of people are talking about these days? Is that one of the manifestations of stress in your brain?
0: Brain fog is is less of a sort of specific clinical symptom, but I know exactly what you mean. And I think if we break that down to think about the symptoms of brain fog as being maybe having a tough time making decisions, a tough time planning out your day, a tough time feeling really, you know, short term joys or that those positive emotions throughout the day, Those are all consistent with some of the symptoms that you might see with chronic stress, particularly if that's accompanied by things like disruptions to sleep, uh, stomach aches, maybe more sensitivity to pain or headaches.
1: What are you seeing in terms of stress levels during the pandemic in your own clinical practice?
0: Uh, You know, it's, it's really relevant for everyone. I think that that is a pretty, pretty uniform experience. People who have had a history of mental health challenges are having a particularly tough time right now. With the pandemic, uh, you know, the financial strain that many are feeling the social isolation, many people are experiencing marital conflict. These are just the type of stressors that for anyone who has had mental health challenges in the past are likely going to make it pretty tough to cope right now.
1: So let's talk about strategies for managing all this stress. You use something called dialectical behavior therapy or DBT. Can you explain what that is?
0: Sure. So dialectical behavior therapy is a therapy that both really acknowledges the challenging experiences that people might be having, while also providing some skills and encouragement to try to do new things anyways. So so it really holds these dialectics of acceptance and change, accepting that we're in a really tough situation right now. It's not the way we wanted to spend our start to 2021. And also realizing that if we want our 2021 to be better, we're probably going to have to change some of the behaviors that we're doing that might be contributing to mental health problems.
1: I gather that with DBT, there are four options that are available to people within the framework of DBT. Can you break those down for me?
0: Sure, so one of the the things that DBT sort of talks about really early on is this idea that there are four options to dealing with any problem. And, and I really like that it, it lays it out this way because I think it gives people, recognizes the choices that they have and sort of some of the consequences of those choices. Um, the first solution is to solve the problem. So that's great. If it's a solvable problem, you can think brainstorm solutions. You can try some of them out. That's great in many circumstances. It's, it's not really great with some of the challenges of the pandemic where the problem might be unsolvable in the short term.
1: For instance, for instance, uh, you know snapping your fingers and and having your kids go back to uh, school
0: for sure that 's a great example so th- so that problem is is not possible to solve however if if you have another problem that 's defined as you know I really need some alone time i 'm surrounded by kiddos and my partner all day, and i can 't get a moment to myself. Getting more time to yourself might be a bit more of a solvable problem, um, bringing in some creativity and asking for support.
1: So what if you can't, what if it is a problem that you can't solve, like you can't get back to work or uh, you can't get your kids back to school or you can't restart your business? What do you do then?
0: So a few other options. Um, one is to feel better about the problem. So to actively choose to accept that you are finding yourself in circumstances, maybe that you never wanted or that you never imagined you would have to deal with, but you're going to actively choose to make the best of it um, and willingly do whatever needs to be done day to day to get through with a really positive attitude. So really shifting your thinking.
1: What else can you do after that?
0: Other options are to tolerate the problem, so to stay with maybe being being grumpy, feeling a little bit overwhelmed, but not really having the energy to change anything right now. Or you can stay miserable and likely make it worse. So you could decide to not change anything. You could lean into those grumpy feelings, which might involve more conflict at home, more conflict with your kids or partner. It also might mean that you are having a harder time taking care of yourself. So not showering as regularly, um, not cooking food that makes you feel positive, uh, not doing you know self-care things like getting out to go for walks or calling your friends because you really don't like the, the grumpy mood that you find yourself in.
1: Leaning into grumpiness is a phrase that I'm going to remember for a long time. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing, Leslie, that you wouldn't have a clinical practice or, or research interest if if there weren't a lot of people who lean into grumpiness.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I think uh, leaning into grumpiness is something that you know, I can certainly relate to. I imagine that that most people can relate to in the past year. And I think it's something that can really naturally come up when we feel a little bit hopeless about the current situation, when we really feel like we don't have much control and it seems like a lot of effort to do even the smallest things so i think a first step if you find yourself leaning into grumpiness is really to notice that that's what you're doing uh, and then to consider you know is it worthwhile is it consistent with my values to try to challenge this a little bit today even knowing that things aren't really how we i want them to be
1: so are there other ways of shifting out of leaning into grumpiness leaning away from grumpiness how do you do that (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, so there's some strategies that come from DBT that I often use a lot in my clinical practice. And, you know, I use with myself as well. And in, in getting through the day-to-day, I have two young kids at home, so things are pretty busy. And a lot of these these pieces include choosing to be willing to do exactly what's needed in the moment to get through So it's helpful to first start by being mindfully aware of when your mind is stuck in negative loops. If you find that you're really short with others, if you're short with yourself, try to resist that and to do something that you can really participate in. Taking a hot shower, maybe listening to a really loud song to get your body moving. Do something to pull yourself back into the present moment.
1: And if that doesn't work, what else can you do?
0: Another trick to try is to really plan ahead for positive activities. So even if you know you would love to have a night out with your friends and that's not possible, to choose to plan to do a Zoom game night or dinner over Zoom instead maybe a walk, um, maybe a snowshoe, whatever that might be, to try to have that social connection anyways. And social support is actually what I think of as really a secret sauce to countering the stress response, which is backed by evidence. Having social support helps you downregulate your stress response system.
1: So mindfulness, going positive, being with other people, what else is there?
0: so one other thing that you can do you know independently is to notice if your emotion doesn't match the problem so this might be having sort of fuming rage over a roommate for not doing their dishes you know the second or third time that you've asked when really you know that they've had a really busy day and they'll probably get to them in the next hour If you find that your emotion doesn't match the problem or the situation at hand, to try to act opposite to that emotion. So thinking about all the really wonderful things that you love about your roommate, maybe doing something really kind for your roommate, feeling some empathy for what they're dealing with at work, and acting the way that you think you want your emotions to go will actually pull your emotions farther away from that ineffective feeling that you're having.
1: What about accepting that this is just the state of affairs and, and hopefully it will pass soon.
0: Yeah, that's definitely um, a very powerful strategy. Um, DBT calls that radical acceptance of the current circumstances to choose, designed to choose a path forward with less suffering and allow for some more joy and positivity. Accepting the current state of affairs doesn't mean that you're, you're happy about it. It doesn't mean that you don't feel pain but it means that you're choosing to, you know, seek out the best life you can have right now anyways. One thing that I think is important to, to consider in this idea of, of acceptance is that acceptance isn't something that you decide one day. You're probably gonna have to continually decide, you know, I'm accepting this, I'm choosing not to be grumpy about this, I'm choosing to do a social activity that isn't my first choice multiple times a week
1: you also use something called i guess it's an acronym it's called win what's that
0: when i feel i need is what the win acronym stands for the goal for this is to let other people know when you're having a hard time how that makes you feel and what you need from them in a given situation so if you're having you know a tough time managing childcare for example you might let your partner know that when you take the kids to school every day and you pick them up every day, and then you're also making dinner, that you feel really irritable and and resentful that you're doing so much when you're really tired. You would then share what you need. So I need you to help with doing either drop-offs or pickups. And maybe we could decide to order in a couple nights a week if you don't feel like cooking.
1: What about self-care? We hear so much about that these days. What role can it play in managing stress?
0: You can be doing self-care and still ruminating about all sorts of negative thoughts. You can still be grumpy. You can still be wishing things were different. Uh, You can still be sort of mourning or suffering the loss of activities you had hoped to do, vacations you had hoped to be on. So some of these other techniques that I've talked about really encourage you to be in the moment so self-care is so much more effective if you're taking, you know, a hot bath and you're really in the moment. You're playing music that you like. Maybe you have a candle lit, maybe you're really smelling some nice smells, and you can have that full positive experience. Same thing with getting exercise. If you can get out and you can be in it and really focused on that moment, that's going to be much more beneficial than if you're running or going for a walk and you're just thinking about all the different things that you're, you're nervous about for in the upcoming months.
1: And I guess uh, another uh, conclusion that I would take from what you've just said is that you know, if you're in you – know, if you're feeling strong emotions and, and, and you try some go-to activity like walking or, or running and it's not working for you, then accept the fact that it's not working for you.
0: For sure. You know, I think in society, we often have a low tolerance for negative emotions. My automatic reaction is often to want to change a negative emotion, to change sadness, to change frustration, because it's uncomfortable. But more often than not, if we're trying to suppress a negative emotion instead of really feeling it, understanding it, sharing it with others it 's going to come back and it's going to be sort of in the back of our mind. It feels like it's like gnawing away at our our thoughts and day to day
1: experience before we go, how about some real world advice? You have young kids, you work any tips on how you manage your stress and, and their stress um,
0: <laughs> you know I think it uh
1: it looks a lot different now than than I
0: thought it might have a year ago. And I think that, that part of that is my, my own acceptance that these are really extraordinary circumstances and to be gentle on myself and to be gentle on my kiddos, um, to know that there will come a time when we can do awesome sports and get out in a belt more, but these days, you know, especially when we're having these bouts of minus twenty degree weather in Winnipeg, it's okay if we watch two movies in one day on the weekend when we're all really tired. So, sort of try to be gentle with those reactions and uh, really take a breath myself when I notice that I'm feeling frustrated, and ask my partner to take over if I feel like I need a minute to. Uh, recoup before I'm coming back to being a really in it parent.
1: Well, you've been a fountain of useful information, but I'm also glad to know that you're human like the rest of us.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Very human. I feel lots of emotions.
1: Well, Leslie Roos, I want to thank you for uh, speaking with us and on the dose and and helping us deal with the stress that so many of us are feeling.
0: Thank you so much.
1: That was Leslie Roos. She's an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Manitoba and an affiliated researcher with the Children's Hospital Research Institute of Manitoba. Stress is a response in our brains and our bodies that helps us cope with threats and dangers around us. It becomes a problem when we feel stressed all the time, as many people do during the pandemic. Chronic stress isn't good for us. It causes unpleasant emotions like anxiety, sadness and frustration on an ongoing basis. It also causes high blood pressure and wear and tear on the body. During the pandemic, we can't just snap our fingers and get rid of stressors like not being able to go to the office to work and having to stay distant from friends and family. What we can do is change how stress affects us. Here's your dose of smart advice. There are four ways to attack a problem that's causing stress. If you can solve it, then do so. If you can't, try doing something to help you feel better about the problem. If that doesn't work, try learning to accept it. Your fourth option is to lean into grumpiness about the problem, but that's usually not the best choice. Those strategies help you deal with what's causing stress. To deal with the negative emotions associated with the stress, first, try being mindful, focus on your breathing, go for a walk and focus on the sensations you feel while walking. You can also plan something that makes you feel good. So you can immerse yourself in happy anticipation. Doing something that's the direct opposite of what you're feeling helps too. For instance, if you're feeling sad, try watching a comedy. Another option is what's called radical acceptance of your stressful emotions. If you're feeling sad, angry, or nervous, try accepting that that's how you're feeling. Finally, you can try telling the people around you what you need to feel better. Leslie Roos also said something that stuck with me. Even she sometimes has a hard time dealing with stress. So cut yourself some slack when you or your kids can't deal with frustration caused by the pandemic. Seek professional help if you or someone you love can't function and seems depressed for weeks at a time and nothing seems to help. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Heart wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This episode of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Austin Pomeroy for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.